Truth Espresso, episode 128. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hey there, friends and lurkers alike. This is Daniel Minnick, the host of Truth Espresso, along with my sweet, wonderful co-host, Chelsea Minnick, for this uh, Monday here on Truth Espresso. And wow, it's hard to believe that we're at episode 128 already. That's pretty crazy. And this episode is going to be on a very interesting topic. Well, of course I say that every episode is on an interesting topic, right? But <laughs> but this one is going to be one of those topics that I'm not quite sure if all of our listeners are going to agree with us. Of course, every you know, every episode you could say that, but this is one of those hot button topics. Um, we're going to talk about Romans chapter 13 and the role of government. And so, oh boy, <laughs> sweetheart, are you ready to push that shiny red button and talk about this hot button issue? <laughs> yep, let's hit it. Okay, so. First of all, I'm going to read the first seven verses of Romans chapter 13 because these are the verses that are often cited when quoting from Romans chapter 13 in reference to, you know, how do we understand the role of government? How much are we supposed to obey government? What is government allowed to do? So, like, say, someone might say, ah, I don't like the government. I don't think the government should be doing this or that. And then someone else, perhaps even another Christian might say, well, Romans 13 says that, you know, you need to submit to the government, so shut your mouth. <laughs> and so let's read those verses and see what it says. See what if the conventional wisdom about Romans 13 holds up as we talk about Romans 13 in these verses. So Romans chapter 13 and verses 1 through 7 says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same." For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also. 
or taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So those are the most cited verses from Romans chapter 13, talking about government, that God has ordained government, that you need to fear government, that they are God's ministers to do things that God wants, and that therefore you should pay whatever tax they want you to pay, because God has set them up, and you know, you submit to whatever they want you to do. And it sounds like the Christian thing to do. God has placed president tyrant (laughs) over us, but you know, it doesn't matter how much the governor, the king, the president annoys us or what he tells us to do. We should just be good little citizens and do whatever he says or she says or whatever and say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am and just that's it isn't that what the apostle paul is saying what what do you think sweetheart is this (laughs) is that sound like a good uh, summation of what the apostle paul is saying here yeah unfortunately i think that this is not what paul is saying in this passage but that is what we do hear quite often when this passage is presented from the pulpit from other christians we hear this quite often But I think we need to clarify a few of the terms in here and also looking more at the context of this, especially even going back to chapter 12. I think chapter 12 kind of gives you a better picture of what Paul's talking about as he goes into 13 in that this isn't just about submit to the person in governmental authority no matter what. Yeah, definitely. Good thoughts there, sweetheart. So it's not a carte blanche statement about these governors, these authorities as ministers of God, basically being God on earth. Because <laughs> you know? it's obvious from when we read <laughs> about the kings of Israel and the divided kingdom, you know, you have, and he did that which was good in the sight of the Lord, or he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. So it wasn't just the fact that you had a leader and then whatever the leader's whim was, that's officially good for the nation. The kings were judged by God based on whether they did evil or good. Well, first, let's look at what does it mean? What does Paul mean when he says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers? So what are these higher powers? (laughs) In the mind of Paul here, did God set up an office of king, like there's an office of Caesar, and this office of Caesar is a a sanctioned office by biblical law. <laughs> you know, like, are we to think that, okay, God, you know, as the Apostle Paul talks about, God has ordained some pastors and teachers and stuff for the work of the ministry in the church, did God set up the office of governor or the office of king or the office of president? presidents such as the United States or prime minister, are those divine offices? (laughs) I think that's a great question to ask because when you're looking back at Romans 12, Paul is talking about how we being many are one body in Christ Hmm. and everyone members one of another in that back in verse four, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. 
So there are different needs, different positions in the body of Christ. There's the need to oversee. There's the need for teachers. There isn't necessarily one that's better or more important or necessarily God-ordained, like you're saying, that it would necessarily be a better position. So I think same with the government positions. There isn't a one kind, like special, privileged position in government. We're still a part of the body of Christ. Hmm. And we just have these different roles that God gave us. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And I had a I had an episode of Truth Espresso Express recently talking about Philippians 2. But there's the verse there where Paul says, In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So when it comes to the body of Christ, Christ, those who Christ has redeemed, and in 1 Corinthians 6, where Paul talks about do not know that the saints shall judge the world. So those who Christ has redeemed by his blood and in the body, they are equal. They should treat each other in lowliness of mind to submit under one another and such as being equal. And we know that we shall judge the world. And so that's really what we should think of as divine authority there. Yeah, another passage that I just thought thought of is where Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 20 verses 25 through 27 he says it says but Jesus called them unto him and said you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them and they that are great exercise authority upon them but it shall not be so among you but whosoever will be great among you let him be your minister and whosoever will be chief among you let him be your servant so what Jesus tells his disciples unlike like the pagan Gentiles, where the princes, the rulers there try to exercise, you know, kind of a despotic control over them. That's not the model for you. That's not how you treat each other in the kingdom. The greatest is the servant, you know, and that's not what a power hungry, unregenerate Gentile would be seeking. So when Paul is talking about these higher powers and submitting under them, I don't think he's in any way dictating that God has ordained a certain office such as like, you know, there's nothing in the law of God that says that you must set up a king among you and the king must have this power. There must be at least this many subjects so that he can rule you know, with power over a mighty nation. Think of the United States where we have about, was it 320, 30, I lost count, <laughs> a million people. And then you have the White House and you have the 535 and Congress and you have the president uh, and the executive and so on. Has God ordained by his law that there must be that kind of arrangement? You can't have a power that God has ordained unless he fits this kind of office and this kind of structure, this size of a country with these boundaries that, you know, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. You know, and I think of Israel, where the people of Israel desired to have a king to be like other nations. And Samuel, who was the last of the judges, was grieved by that. And he talked to God about it. And God says, go ahead and anoint a king for them, for they have not rejected you, they've rejected me in doing this. And 
<laughs> you know, so the people of Israel had what they really needed with God ruling over them directly and really living much like a free nomadic people, but they coveted that sense of power and prestige that other nations with their luxurious kings had over them. And they wanted that because they wanted a king to fight their battles and look at how strong we are because we have this awesome king, you know, human king, but that wasn't God's design for Israel. And when they wanted a king to be like other nations, it was because they had rejected God and God gave them liberty. And so, yeah, according to God's law, his design for government, it it doesn't seem like we have these Caesars and kings and stuff like that. And the warning was, hey, if you want the king, the king's going to be taxing you and he's going to put you in bondage and then you're going to cry out, <laughs> this is too much of a burden to bear and and God's not going to hear them for that because they got what they wanted. So, yeah, what are the higher powers? Well, the higher powers in Paul's view seems to be what God has ordained to praise the good and punish the evil. That's the powers. Not a particular office of king or so on, but whatever is recognized commonly as the means to uh, praise good and punish evil. Yeah, I like how you really clarified that because that kind of puts into perspective more of what Romans 13 is talking about. Hmm. But it seems like now we need to kind of define what is good and what is evil. (laughs) Definitely. That's the next question to think about here because Paul says to the power is ordained of God and who resisted the power resists the ordinance of God. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. He mentions in verse 4, he's a minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. So, you know, Paul is emphasizing good and evil here. So, yeah, the next logical question there, now that we see, okay, what are the higher powers Paul's talking about? It's to praise good and punish evil here. But then what is good and evil? Well, you know, as Christians, we have the word of God. Sin is the transgression of the law, as the Bible says. What is good and evil? Who defines that? That's the question. Who defines what's good and evil? Can a human being... Okay, someone like Satan or the, you know, say the, is it the king of Tyre and says, I will exalt myself above the stars of God. You know, I want to be like the most high. If a king of the earth manages to exalt himself, conquers other nations, and then foists some tyrannical law on them, is that then become good because that king is some supposedly this higher power here? The ordinance of God, the minister of God? Well, God gave his law, and he says, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. The table, the Ten Commandments that that God gives Israel, it seems to me that the Apostle Paul, being an apostle of Jesus, and Jesus mentioned the law, the rich young ruler asks, How do I enter the kingdom? And Jesus mentions, What are the commandments? You know, where do the commandments come from? They come from God. So, as Christians who understand that God, God exists and that God is the creator. God is the one who gives the law. Morality
morality comes from God, so therefore, to answer the question who defines good and evil, it must be God. So if that's the case, and all human beings are fallen, fallible, a human king or human governor, human whoever fits into this role of the higher power to be a minister of God for good, it seems like they must be subject to God's law. (laughs) They're not the ones who define what's good. It has to be God. The good and evil are what are in God's law. I think that this is the part where you can really see where we have strayed so far from what the Bible tells us to keep in mind to teach our children. I know we've talked about this a few episodes ago about teaching your children the law, like during the day, during the night. These are principles that we instill in our children. But now we have taken God out of the picture. Everyone says God doesn't exist or they don't even adhere to the Bible. They, of course, don't adhere to any of his commandments and all in the name of tolerance. Or now we have the cancel mentality where if we don't agree with something, we're just going to erase it or cancel it. And that's totally contrary to what God's word says and what he tells us to actually do as Christians and to do as parents and to do as the body of Christ. We're supposed to be the ones that uphold and teach his commandments and also just kind of thinking about how God is the one that defines good and evil. Like You have to have someone who is perfect to be able to define good and evil because imperfect, sinful man is not going to be able to objectively, lovingly, and rightly say this is good and this is evil Mm. across the board. I think that our fallen nature causes us to not see everything black and white. Mm. And that's where we need God, who is almighty, who is perfect, to give us his holy word to give us his commands and his law yeah exactly so you are and you know the bible refers to god and jesus christ as king of kings and lord of lords so there is no king who's above the king of kings so yes god is the dispenser of what is good and evil and so just as we are subjects to the higher power that god has ordained that humans may fulfill that position whatever title or whatever you know level or whatever that may be anyone who is in that position is still just as much a subject to god's law because god is king over them And so that's what we need to keep in mind. There is no ultimate human authority. Only God is the ultimate authority. And all humans, regardless of status or class or position, are subjects to the king of kings. And like the Bible says, isn't it even in Romans that (laughs) one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess? Oh, yes. I think that is. Isn't that Romans 12? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm pretty sure I just read that in Romans 12. Yeah, it's in Romans 12 talking about the judgment seat of Christ, you know, that every knee will bow to Christ. So everyone, (laughs) like no matter, like you said, what your status is, we are all accountable to Jesus Christ. And we're going to stand before him and 
I think that that kind of makes the playing field a little more level. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as I know, I've heard the saying, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Well, the ground is level at the foot of the judgment seat, too. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. to think, yeah, and and God's law, as we'll certainly talk more about that, you know, as we talk about God's law and more about how we understand the proper role of government, uh, according to Romans 13 and other passages. So now, before we get into that, we should probably address a little bit of the context of Romans 13, particularly who wrote it. Because we can't just take this passage in isolation and read a context into it. We need to look at the context. And the first point of context would be, who wrote this? (laughs) So, who wrote this, sweetheart? (laughs) Well, I think we kind of gave that away earlier. Yeah, Yeah, Paul wrote this. And wait a minute. What was the life of Paul like when he was Mm -hmm. saved on the road to Damascus and then he was told, you will bear my name before the leaders of Israel and the Gentiles and kings and stuff? Yeah, what characterized a lot of Paul's ministry? Because even Paul had a lot to say about that. Didn't Paul himself go to prison? Didn't he run afoul of the uh, kind of the laws uh, sometimes here? You know? (laughs) And it's interesting, too, because before Paul's conversion, he was a tyrannical leader, and he was persecuting Christians Mm. like crazy, and Christians were scared of him, but they didn't back down from their faith. They stood up against this tyrannical man Mm. named Saul, and I think it's such an amazing story of God's grace and how he can change a heart like Saul's, and Mm. now Paul, and he's actually going to prison himself because he's standing up against the tyranny of that time and proclaiming Jesus Christ to other people. Yeah. So the question we should ask then is, well, what right does Paul have to talk about submitting to the government in this way if he himself was imprisoned quite often? Unless maybe a lot of people are misunderstanding what Paul is talking about in Romans 13. Because I don't think Paul was contradicting himself. I I don't think he was giving orders to people to do as I say, not as I do in this case. I think maybe we've, a lot of Christians today especially, have misunderstood what Paul's talking about. For examples of Paul's own imprisonment, he says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, you know, you're whipped and you have stripes on your back, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. Wait, Paul just said he's a minister of Christ more than these other people. And in reference to that, he says he gets more stripes and he's in prison more frequently than these other people to whom he's comparing himself. Are they ministers of Christ? I am more But how does that work if he's in prison more? (laughs) That doesn't seem to make sense unless, yeah, maybe Romans 13 isn't about if you're in prison, you're bad. If you're not in prison, you're good. (laughs) He mentions that the, the last two verses in that chapter, verses 32 and 33, says, In Damascus, the governor under Aretas the king kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desirous to apprehend me, 
and through a window in a basket I was let down by the wall and escaped his hands. So, yeah, Paul was a fugitive from the governor here. Orate as the king. And, yeah, the king said, okay, by my decree, he must go to prison. And Paul had helpers to help him escape the hands there. So was Paul not being submissive there and saying, okay, you know, if you want to imprison me, it must be because I did something wrong because, you know, you're the power that God has ordained. (laughs) So, yeah, I think there's a little bit of nuance in Romans chapter 13 that we need to look at. (laughs) That part of the story always reminds me of, because I just watched it recently, the movie The Hiding Place, based on Corey Ten Boom, and just like how they helped Jews escape, and then how later they were imprisoned as well and tortured. But yeah, it's just interesting to see how it's not just a one-time event. And we see throughout history, there are times where there's persecution and uh, torture against people that stand up for what's right and people that stand up for Christ and that those people don't back down. They don't recant their beliefs. And a lot of times they're tortured, they're killed, they're imprisoned, they're escaping in a basket. I mean, that had to have been very awkward for Paul to be let down in a basket down a wall. Mm. But I think it's just a good reminder of just being bold and standing up for your faith. Yeah, exactly. So we are. Now, I don't think Paul was an outlier here, you know. Jesus told his disciples, you know, get ready to be persecuted, you know. Um, Peter, one of the 12 there, what about Peter? I mean, he said something very similar to what Paul said in First Peter two thirteen and 14. He said, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. Like, that's very similar to what Paul said. But Peter, in Acts chapter 12, was imprisoned by Herod there, and, you know, an angel came and helped Peter escape. He let him out of his chains, and Peter didn't tell the angel, wait a minute, it's lawful for me to stay here. You know, I'm a criminal here. Uh, I must face due punishment. He obeyed the angel. I think the angel was a higher power in this case than King Herod here. And, you know, (laughs) Peter did nothing wrong wrong he was imprisoned unjustly the angel who was a minister of god higher than the king here led peter out and peter back to safety and back to the other disciples and peter did not seek to turn himself in again after that point and so yeah <laughs> there's another example of someone saying submit to higher powers but there's the nuance there that we need to look at my name is Andy Olson, and I want to tell you about Echozoi Radio. Echozoi Radio is a podcast outreach of Echozoi Ministries. Every month, I find a knowledgeable guest to talk about an important and interesting topic that affects the church today. We carefully balance the discussions of positive, God glorifying doctrines of Orthodox Christianity from a mostly Reformed point of view with exposes of heresy, false teaching, and poor practice that goes on throughout the church today. You can find us at echozoe.com. That's E C H O Z O E.com. So, next point of discussion, next question to answer as we go back to Romans 13 and the context of it. What is the function of government being addressed? 
And sweetheart, you several times mentioned Romans chapter 12 as, you know, important context to this. And I think it is Romans chapter 12. He mentioned it talks about all appearing before the judgment seat of Christ. We're seeing who's the true king here. But toward the end of the chapter, this is right before Romans chapter 13, Romans 12, verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So I think this is an important bit of context for what Paul is about to talk about in Romans chapter 13. He's telling the beloved, his, uh, the body of Christ here, do not avenge yourselves. So don't take it upon yourselves to be vigilantes because uh, God has says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So God is the one who's taken on the authority to enact vengeance, like someone does does us wrong, like steals, it's not upon us to go like a thief in the night and invade their house and steal something. We have to recognize that there is an authority to mediate the justice to return stolen property. Likewise, when it comes to if someone physically harms or murders, According to uh, God, according to the Apostle Paul here, it's not upon us uh, to be vigilantes and just, okay, we're going to take up the sword and go uh, get our revenge here and enact individual justice. As tempting as that might be, as seemingly just as we might feel that might be, according to the Apostle Paul, it's God who's going to act vengeance, and then he gets into how that works out in the next chapter, which is Romans chapter 13. So one of the functions of government is to be the minister of God, to be the avenger, to enact vengeance. If someone steals or wrongs someone else, then these higher powers are the God's ordained authority to take care of vengeance. So like how you're kind of clarifying what the role or the function of the government is in Romans 13 here, can you just clarify a little bit maybe about what, and I think Romans 13 actually goes into this as well, like what exactly does the government, uh, so in their role to be the mediators, what are they mediating? Like are there specific laws that they oversee Yeah, I mean, so Paul just mentions, do not avenge yourselves here. And then in Romans 13, verse 4, he says that those that are the higher powers, he's the minister of God for good. He bears not the sword in vain. I think that's important, you know, because sometimes Christians might just think, oh, the government has the power of the sword to make you give to charity or something like that. You know, that's not what he's talking about. He says he bears the sword in vain for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath on him that doeth evil, not on him that doesn't do good or enough good in a way we think like compulsive charity or something like that, but an avenger. And I think, so here's where Paul is laying out the role of government to be the revenger here. He says, avenge not yourselves. God said, vengeance is mine. And then 
in talking about the role of government, it bears the sword. What is the sword for? It's to enact capital justice and to be the revenger and to execute wrath on him that doeth evil. So it seems like Paul is saying the government is not a terror to good works. If you do evil, be afraid. And evil is what God has defined. And it doesn't seem like Paul is saying that the power that God has ordained for the government is to use the sword to force people to do certain positive actions. It's only to use the sword to punish acts of evil. You know, and if you do good, then you get praise. But if you do evil, then be afraid. So the whole purpose of government is to punish evil, not to enforce good per se. (laughs) So Paul kind of clarifies what is evil and kind of the framework for the person in authority to carry out punishment for evil when he goes into the criteria of the law. Oh, yeah, exactly. So Romans 13, so verse 9 in this chapter, remember we answer the question, who defines what's good and who defines what's evil? Well, Paul starts to explain that after he talks about the government. Then he talks in verse 9, he says, For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So what does that sound like? Those commands sound familiar. It's God's law, and it's at least it's the second, it's specifically the second table of the law of Moses. So what are these things? They're not thou shalt, they're all thou shalt nots. <laughs> you know, even though it's the commandments are summarized as love thy neighbor as thyself, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but... It's often understood in terms of don't harm one another. I mentioned in another earlier episode, like we teach our kids, don't hit and don't take their stuff. You know, (laughs) like, you know, that's basically what this is here. And it's kind of the laws of general equity. Just don't aggress against someone else. There's thou shalt not steal. So the protection of life, liberty, and property could pretty much be summed up in the second table of the law here. And that's what Paul specifies after he talks about the government as ministers of God, praising good and punishing evil. And so, yeah, that's <laughs> that seems to be the role of government that Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 13. Vengeance has to do with thou shalt not kill. And remember Genesis 9 verse 6 where it says, If whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed for the image of God. He made man. And so government, the powers that be that are ordained of God in whatever form, that's what God has set up to carry out that justice. If you kill, your life is at stake here. If you steal, you restore. I know in the Law of Moses, like restoring, I forget, what is it, like 20%, something like that? Or 
Yeah, it seemed like it was different depending on yeah, like who it was they stole from. Yeah, exactly. But uh, whatever the case, you know, the purpose of government here, according to Paul's listing the commandments in the second table, is to punish evil. That thou shalt not. <laughs> Um, that aggress against people's life, liberty, and property. It's pretty simple. <laughs> so this is a part that sometimes is kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but I guess a little bit disheartening when you see how the generations like before us, behind us, our generation, <laughs> hmm. they totally dismiss these laws right here that Paul describes, hmm. like, oh, yeah. thou shall not commit adultery. Hmm. That's one of the things that you would be punished for. Okay, nowadays people are like, oh, we have an open relationship hmm. and we just <laughs> sleep with whoever we want to or marry whoever we want to, like, even if maybe we don't even get married. And hmm. um, yeah. so, like, adultery is seen as something common and in some ways kind of good and mm. if you don't participate that you're looked down upon and like who are you oh, yeah <laughs> yeah like remember vice president mike pence before where he just had his own standard all he did was give his own standard about he won't go to dinner you know even in business related with the woman that's not his wife and man did the media just lash out at him like why this should be an honorable thing to say like he wasn't saying you know everyone must hold the same standard this is an order from me all he was doing was giving his own personal standard for himself to protect his own marriage and the media just i mean they despised that you know and it's like why because they don't have that kind of standard they think there's nothing wrong with adultery or and it seems like it's so common for politicians now that's like you just think it's funny like it's watching a soap opera or something if someone is unfaithful it just and it, you know if you criticize someone for that it's just like oh you know you want to take down my favorite politician or you know like oh you just don't like his policies and you want to attack of her personal this is that's a personal private thing, you know, and, and, you know, it's just a war over politics there and things like that. You're not even allowed to point out, like, there's no such thing as any kind of moral character whatsoever that we should expect of people in public office. And if anyone who holds some kind of public office can't be held to a moral standard, well, then why would we think that anyone, you know, under them uh, should be held to a moral standard either and i think that seems to be the idea <laughs> but wouldn't we all be held to the same standard though no matter what position yes, so even exactly. if we're under them and i guess that's kind of where my discouragement is like mm. okay i kind of get politicians and i mean most of them aren't saved and mm. won't even give a second look at god's commands but this is so common in Christians now and people yeah. that proclaim to follow God or follow Christ. And so I think to me, like, that's the sad part is that this has infiltrated the church and has affected the family system so much, even with, you know, the next one, thou shalt not kill. 
And there's so many people that are rationalizing different like euthanasia techniques or abortion techniques. And Mm. there's so many ways that people are just saying, oh, well, it's okay in this case. And Mm, but the Bible clearly says thou shall not kill. Thou shall not steal. And how often do we see people, Christians, politicians, everyone alike are just rationalizing these laws that God put in here. And I think that's why we're seeing such a crazy time right now because we don't have people standing up for truth and standing up for what is right and we're just kind of sitting back being like okay hopefully everything works out (laughs) yeah exactly he's like what paul seems to describe here for the role of government there's great liberty there it's very simple it's very obvious it's very intuitive like okay the law really doesn't need that many words you know we don't need all this complicated laws Um, it's just simple you know you don't kill you don't steal you don't commit adultery you know you don't lie that is so simple and if we had a government that just stuck to that we would have so much freedom But yet people want to complicate things because, you know, you mentioned things like abortion and euthanasia and stuff where it's like they want to have debates over like how restrictive should this law on abortion be? Or like, what about these specific cases like rape and incest or like a certain age or how many weeks or before this or whether there's Down syndrome or, you know, all these things like that. It's like. There is no exception to thou shalt not kill. It's simple, but people don't like simple because, you know, they they seem to like complex, ambiguous laws that really burden people when, if you just realize the simplicity and elegance of God's law and how intuitive it is, then there's lots of liberty, but there's, of course, the responsibility, you know, you don't kill, you don't steal, and if you have the you know the law of god written on your heart you know the god's commandments are not grievous grievous there's not much expected of you but it requires you to basically you have to have a sense of morality and treating each other according to the golden rule according to the laws of equity here and it's simple and if you just if you just have a moral character (laughs) to treat your fellow human beings with respect and not wanting to harm them for your own gain then hey you know the law of god is not grievous we don't have to have tyranny or complex burdensome taxes or complex regulations things that regulate what you can and can't do on a things that have nothing to do with just aggressing against other people uh, you know that's all it boils down to you know, I know there's the libertarian idea of the non-aggression principle. That's the basis of law is just you don't initiate aggression against someone else. And that's really what you describe the second table of the law is you don't aggress against someone else. Simple. You just don't do that. And that's all that government's for is punishing, violating other people. Don't you think that this is kind of how Satan likes to deceive Mm, humans is uh, like giving them that 
false sense of authority or like Godhead. Like, Hmm. I mean, what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden and saying that, you know, if they eat of that tree that God forbade them to eat, that they would be like God. And Hmm. I think that that's one of the great deceptions that we still see today that people think that, okay, they're in authority. They can make whatever rules they want. They can enforce whatever they want. They kind of become their own little mini gods here. And I think that is what Satan wants because then they, from that kind of mindset, comes out evil and Mm. comes out. And that's where we see all these hardships on Christians and tyranny. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's all I can say is tyranny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, we see the law of God and it's simple, it's basic, it's intuitive. But when people are just focused on their own gain, then they don't see much of a problem with killing or stealing. It's like the war of the strong against the weak, social Darwinism. There's a lot of merit to what, you know, what Christians, theonomists and stuff. I mean, like, I'm not quite quite a theonomist because I don't believe that in the gospel age it's the responsibility of a human government necessary to enforce the first table of the law and punish idolatry but not that I wouldn't mind if the governments are like that I just don't think that's what we should try to enforce is everyone to worship God Almighty but just the second table don't aggress against other people but the point that theonomists make which i fully agree with is theonomy versus autonomy you know it's god's law or man's law and you can't eliminate the idea of god you know because anyone who tries to get rid of god they've got to find a god to put in the place of god and so they want to get rid of god's law and put their law autonomy in its place they want to find human gods in place of god's law they want a caesar in place of the king of kings they want to do their own bidding and they seem to think in terms of instead of the simplicity of general equity and thou shall not kill thou shall not steal the absolutes of that no exceptions whatsoever everything's a battle over humans trying to get power over each other and you have marxism that the whole idea that they they try to teach that there is no such thing as liberty in the way we think everything is only a battle of one power versus another power and we need to make sure that our idea of power wins over other people's idea of power and establish a coercive communism you know because anything that isn't that is fascism that's the way marxists think you know and you when you try to convince them of liberty and god's law they they think it's just fascism everything's communism versus fascism everything is power versus power and (laughs) so that's the way humans without god want to treat powers (laughs) as if it's just a battle over control I have a funny story very quick. No, sure. Um, it reminds me of our kids. <laughs> like, kids are all, you know, always good illustrations of things. So, yeah. Say, <laughs> if you don't have kids, you don't have a, a, a one of the good sources of personal illustrations. <laughs> well, I just think, I don't know. 
they're just so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's also just a reminder of just like the sinful nature. Like our girls will go over and sneakily grab the other's toy because they want <laughs> it. And then the other one gets really mad. So then our littlest one will hide the toy behind her back and say, <laughs> mine. <laughs> and then they start arguing back and forth. No, it's mine. <laughs> and so yeah. just like, okay, even from young ages, you are teaching your children about we don't take things from each other we're kind to each other Hmm. we um share our toys and i don't just like demonstrating that kindness and somehow when we get older we lose that again yes exactly and (laughs) all of a sudden somehow it's okay again when you're older Mm -hmm. which that is not what the bible says the bible says that we are kind we love one another and it would be totally different if we could adhere to that and i know of course we can't do that 100 Mm percent because we still have our flesh and we still fall and I mean, I know like I fail all the time about showing love and stuff, but that's something that we can still strive for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like, because I know I mentioned in the earlier episode about like, you know, we teach our kids, you know, don't hit and don't steal what isn't yours. But then when we become adults, people think, okay, now we have this tool of politics and oh, it's perfectly just and Christian that some people have the ability to tax and take from other people using a gun and giving to other people when there's like, wait a minute, what happened to thou shall not steal, you know, and I I don't think there's any exceptions to that. Well, God demands charity. Well, then give to charity. You don't use guns to give to charity. That's stealing. And taxes that are used in that form, you know, like, well, this welfare program, you know, it's like, ahem, what about thou shalt not steal? If God has not specifically ordained the exact mechanics of whatever you think in his law, you can't use the power of the sword to enforce some arbitrary man-made system of coercive charity you know period 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 (laughs) i mean i don't i really hope christians can understand this and not think some autocratic system of coercive charity is doing the lord's work you know god has not ordained the point of a gun to steal you know thou shalt not steal is god God's law. Especially when you look at, okay, most of the charity that the taxes that mm-hmm. are retained from us is going to Planned Parenthood oh, yes. to fund abortions, <laughs> mm-hmm. going to schools to brainwash our children into tolerance and Marxism and socialism. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's so much that that money that's supposedly going to charity is actually going to do more evil. And yeah, so I think we as Christians need to stand up and need to be a voice against that because we should not be a part of that. Yeah, and some of it goes into the pockets of the politicians yeah. and force it for their commission. But yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, and so with that, we've talked uh, for a while about Romans 13, but I think we both have uh, quite a bit to, that we want to say more about this. So I think that warrants a second episode of on Romans 13 in particular to answer questions about what else could government punish? Are there things that government can punish like vices that aren't in the law of God? Or what's the role of government in that? Or 
things like laws against positive activities or laws enforcing positive activities like you know things going on today various mandates um, or even what about the draft you know what about conscription you know like is that something a christian should support and recognize as a god-ordained role of government well, stay tuned. Yeah, that'll be exciting. You guys better tune in to the next episode. Oh, yeah. Thank you, sweetheart, for that advertisement there. And so we hope this episode was helpful. And, you know, if you want to stay tuned for the next episode as we talk more about the role of government, Romans chapter 13. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 